Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. This podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet. Are you paying for your me time with just any credit card in your wallet? While you shouldn't stop treating yourself, you should start paying with a credit card that has perks. Nerd Wallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending. So, what could future you do with better rewards? A free flight? Room upgrades? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and term supply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hi, everyone. I'm Katie Couric, and this is Next Question. It's hard to believe, but the 2024 election is less than a year away. What's even harder to believe, as Yogi Berra would say, it's deja vu all over again. Yep, that's right. Biden versus Trump. We've been hearing a lot about the Republican side of the campaign with the Iowa caucuses and the New Hampshire primary. And now Super Tuesday is just over a month away. But we haven't been hearing as much from the current administration. That's why I was thrilled to jump on a train, brave the elements, and head to the Eisenhower Executive Office Building to sit down with Vice President Kamala Harris. By the way, these interviews can be very stressful. She's an incredibly busy person, so they only gave me 30 minutes, and I had a lot to cover. Abortion, immigration, Israel, Gaza, the administration's historically low approval ratings despite their many accomplishments, Trump voters, and some crucial voting blocks that don't necessarily think the second time's a charm. First of all, thank you so much for being here, for agreeing to have this conversation. I'm very excited to talk to you about everything you're doing. Before we sat down, we both had a little something we needed to clear up. Why did I think you were much taller? I re- recently learned you're only 5'2". Is that, that true? That is absolutely incorrect. Okay. <laughs> I am 5'4 and a quarter. Okay, Sometimes and I'm 5'3". Five, 5'4 five, and a half and with heels, which I always wear, I'm 5'7 and a half. Thank you very much. Okay, Wikipedia, you're wrong, and we need I'm to totally correct wrong. that. I've said this to my team. Like, what? I don't know where it came from. I've, I was 5'2 when I was 12. They say I'm 5'1 on my Wikipedia page. How tall are you? 5'3 and 3 quarters. Right? (laughs) 
and shrinking. It's like literally, <laughs> you, they just want to just make us smaller in every way. I know, but are. I but I was excited because I'm short. And I was like, oh, Kamala. Is no, short I am me. not. I am literally <laughs> am not. I think it's just trying to take okay. two and a half inches off my, you know. We stand corrected. Being. Yes, and <laughs> we stand. We started with a topic that's proving to be a powerful driver for Democrats. I know that Vice President Harris, you're embarking on a, a reproductive freedoms yes. tour yes. to highlight the harm caused by abortion bans and restrictive laws right. following the overturning of Roe v. Wade. This is an issue that has resonated so much with Democratic mm -hmm. voters. And I'm curious, what is your goal as you travel around the country? Well, my my goal, my ultimate goal is that we will build up the support to build and get a Congress that will pass a bill to restore the protections of Roe into law, and President Joe Biden will sign it. Uh, but then let's take a step back. So I'm starting the, we're naming it the Fight for Our Reproductive Freedoms Tour, and I'm, it'll begin on January 22nd, which is the 51st anniversary of the Roe v. Wade decision. And Katie, you know, I mean, you and I, I'm going to speak for you. I think I could, I'm accurate. Most of our adult or our conscious lives, right, when we were able to be aware of, of what is happening in the world, Roe v. Wade was the law of the land. Roe passed when I was in 10th grade. So it was the law of the land for almost the entirety of our adult lives. And, you know, I'll speak for myself now. You know, I always pro-choice, pro-choice. Whenever there was a moment where we had to speak about the protecting Roe, let us protect Roe. But honestly, I, I pretty much, I think most of us pretty much, we were pretty certain it would always be here. And look what happened. The highest court in our land took a constitutional right that had been recognized from the people of America, from the women of America. And the day that that decision came down, the world in so many ways in terms of a lived experience for the women of America changed in a drastic way. After the Dobbs decision, which undid Roe, came down, states around our country proposed and passed laws that would punish women, criminalize health care providers, ban abortion, in some cases, even in the situation of rape or incest, um, as you know, I spent a lot of my career as a prosecutor, and one of the reasons I became a prosecutor, I've started to share the story more, um, my best friend in high school, when we were in high school, I learned was being molested by her stepfather. And when I learned that, I said, well, you have to come and stay with us. I called my mother. My mother said, of course she has to come stay with us, and she did. And so I decided I wanted to do the work that was about protecting women and children from violence. And the majority of my career as a prosecutor was focused on crimes against women and children. So bringing that back to the point of no exception even for rape or incest. So these extremist so-called leaders are basically saying to a survivor of a crime of violence to their body, a violation of their body, saying to these survivors, and you don't have the authority or right to make a decision about what happens to your body next. That's immoral. That's immoral. And what I have seen 
traveling our country, listening to women who have been directly affected because of these laws, is the stories of women having miscarriages in toilets, Katie. There's a woman in Texas who I've spent some time with. She and her her husband, she wanted to become pregnant. She wanted to have children. And, um, but her pregnancy, she then had, she was having a miscarriage. She went to the emergency room. She was denied care because the hospital workers were so afraid that they might get sued or be committing something against the law that they would not give her care. It was only when she went back because she had developed sepsis that they gave her care. Women around our country are experiencing a profound harm because of these laws as a result of that Supreme Court decision. And many of the stories are untold. Many of these cases are women who are silently suffering. And the other layer of this, Katie, that really should be addressed and, and, and understood is how these extremists are framing the, the discussion in a way that really is about judging women as though they've done something wrong, something they should be embarrassed about. And as we know, when you, when people are already going through a moment in their life where they need support, not judgment, and where they then feel because of this environment that they're, they've done something wrong, they're going to silently suffer. And they're going to feel alone, which is very disempowering. And so when I travel our country, listening to these stories, hearing these women and thinking about this issue and how it is taking place in terms of the effect in real time, I feel compelled to travel as I've been, to organize folks and talk with folks about why we all should stand for these basic freedoms, the right of an individual to make decisions about their own body. Pragmatically speaking, Madam Vice President, the composition of the Supreme Court is unlikely to change anytime soon, it seems. So what can you realistically do? You were talking about electing people to Congress and passing a law, a federal law, protecting a woman's right to choose. In the interim, are there any other things that can be done to prevent these women from suffering the way they have been? And particularly in very restrictive states like Texas yeah. and Idaho and Tennessee. Yeah. Well, I'll start with what our administration is working on, um, which includes fighting for and informing states about the responsibility to administer emergency care, the duty to administer emergency care. And so that is part of what we are doing. There is a law that the acronym is MTALA, but it basically says people cannot be denied emergency care. There is the work that we are doing to protect access to contraception, which is a real issue here. Um, there's work I've been doing, for example, to convene university presidents who, of course, have, as the vast majority of their student population, people who are in the height of their reproductive years, 
to ensure that they are doing what they can to protect medical records, to protect privacy, to make allowances if, for example, a student has an unwanted pregnancy and can't receive medical care in their state, needs to leave, which means miss time from class, to make sure that that student is not punished um, because they had to leave the state, even though they would have preferred to stay where they were. So this is some of the work. The other work is around just talking with people about the realities of it all. For example, pointing out that I think we all agree that one does not have to abandon their faith or deeply held beliefs to agree that the government should not be telling her what to do with her body. If she chooses, she will consult with her priest, her rabbi, her pastor, her imam. But it should not be the government telling her what to do. So there are many layers to the work that I think needs to be done, including reminding the individuals who are going through this right now, the women who are going through it right now, that they're not alone and that we hear them and we see them. We do not judge them. And we want them to have the support that they so rightly need. I also think there's a lot of disinformation about late-term abortions. Oh, absolutely. And I think a lot of misconceptions about that as well, that women are having abortions, you know, before their baby, you know, right before the baby is born. And these horror stories about that. How can you educate the public that even Roe had restrictions on the third trimester? Well, not only that, but let's just remember that before the Dobbs decision, this was not an issue that was being debated about whether women were doing these things that people are now describing as possible. Or partial birth abortions. Yeah, and um, I just think that it is meant to distract from the realities, which is this, and it's really basic and fundamental on one level. This is about taking freedoms away. The freedom to make decision about your own body. This is a question also of trust. I trust women. President Joe Biden trusts women to be able to know what is in their own best interest and then make good decisions. And by the way, and women trust us to know we're going to protect and fight for their freedoms. But fundamentally, that is the issue. And I think there are many people who want to distract from that fundamental foundational issue. And I take it to a foundational issue in terms of this is one of the, the main principles upon which our, our, our country was founded. Do you think that this will motivate voters in November? Because I know it's shown that primarily referendum. Uh, a, a referenda, <laughs> that's a plural of referenda, yes, is. right, uh, are, are, is what, are what motivate yeah. people to go and vote. And so how can you, I mean, I'm assuming that you're trying to encourage people who feel strongly about this issue to go to the polls come November. Because they can make a difference. Literally, this issue will be ultimately determined about whether women have this freedom or not um, because of elections, because of what will result from elections, which is elected leaders passing a law to reinstate the protections. 
of freedom. At the state level. Well, but ultimately it's going to take the federal level because what we see is state by state, you see different laws that have been unleashed after the Dobbs decision. So we want to go back to the law of the land being Roe. And I think that elections matter, Katie. On this issue in particular, elections, they matter. After the break, immigration, the second most important topic for voters after the economy. If you want to get smarter every morning with a breakdown of the news and fascinating takes on health and wellness and pop culture, sign up for our daily newsletter, Wake Up Call, by going to katiecurric.com. This podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet. Are you paying for your me time with just any credit card in your wallet? While you shouldn't stop treating yourself, you should start paying with a credit card that has perks. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending. So what could future you do with better rewards? A free flight? Room upgrades? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and term supply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I want to talk to you a little bit about immigration. Because I think just about everyone, and you have said as well, agrees that the immigration system is broken. Yeah. And we need comprehensive immigration reform. Early on, I know you were tasked with understanding the root causes of the immigration yes. crisis, but you are not in charge of the border, which I think is important to point out. Having said that, 14 House Democrats joined Republicans in denouncing the Biden administration's so-called open border policies, calling it, quote, a national security and public safety crisis. And as you know, I'm sure you've talked to them. So many big city mayors, Democrats are saying this is an untenable situation in cities across the country. Sixty eight percent of Americans disapprove of the way the Biden administration has handled the border. So how do you address that? Have you done enough? There's no question. Our immigration system is broken, and it needs to be fixed. And as with any 
problem, then leaders will participate, true leaders, in the solution. So I'm going to take you back to about three years ago, and it was, I think, the day after our inauguration, when we came in, Joe Biden as president, me as vice president, the first bill that we offered was a bill to fix the immigration system. And that's when you controlled both houses. And Congress did not take it up. And I will tell you that this is, first of all, not a new issue, um, but, but sadly it has become so deeply partisan. And the subject of then political gamesmanship, when in fact the solutions are at hand, and we offered a solution early on and invited bipartisan work, let's work on it to fix this. And in fact, we have right now a proposal for $14 billion so that we can put more resources to address this very situation. And um, we hope and, 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 and are really trying to compel, in particular, some of the Republicans in Congress to participate in the solution. But sadly, uh, you know, we want to fix it. They want to run on it. They want a political issue to run on in November. Well, it's working, honestly. Well, I don't, I think that, listen, I, again, I start, I go back to where I started. The, the situation is such that the system is broken and it needs to be fixed and we have offered a solution. And real leaders ought to lead on this, meaning not play politics with it, but work with us. I think Senate, the problem. Senate Republicans, I know, are trying to do they that are. right the, now. The challenge is going to be on the House side. They, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they have linked legislation fixing the immigration crisis to military aid to Ukraine and Israel and military aid those two allies desperately need. Is this immigration bill, as it currently stands, something that you all can support in order to release that aid money? So it's a work in progress. So by the time your listeners listen to this conversation, I don't know what, what situation or status it'll be in, but let me just say this. We ought to be able to do everything. We are the United States. And that means fix problems, such as what we need to do to address the immigration system. And we must stand by our allies. And that includes giving aid to Ukraine which has been the subject of a violation of one of the oldest and most important rules and norms, which is the importance of protecting sovereignty and territorial integrity in the face of Russia's unprovoked aggression and attempt to use force to change borders. The first war in 70 years in Europe. And the United States must stand by our ally, Ukraine, on principle, much less to, to stand strong about what is American leadership to uphold international rules and norms. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and by the way, I've now met with over 150 world leaders, Katie, presidents, prime ministers, chancellors, and kings, many of them now multiple times. They look to us to be a leader on so many of these issues. I've been in the Oval Office with the president with President Biden when he will get calls from world leaders asking for perspective and advice or support. So when we talk about the United States Congress on an issue like Ukraine or Israel, we should be able to do all of these things and not put conditions on one in exchange for the other. Let's turn to Israel because 
It's been more than three months after the horrific attacks of October 7th. People are seeing graphic images of devastation and thousands of civilian casualties in Gaza. I'm sure you're seeing them too. Yes, I am. Many people in your party, especially young people, have called for a ceasefire for months now. And I'm wondering if you could articulate for us why you believe that is not a good idea, if you do believe that. So let's start with October 7th. On October 7th, we saw a terrorist organization, Hamas, commit an act of sheer brutality and terrorism when they attacked and slaughtered over 1,200 people, innocent people, many of them young people attending a concert. Women were raped, horrendously so. Not and all, it is all, rape is always horrendous, obviously, but it, it, the, 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 bar, the barbarism of the crimes is well, almost and, and, unspeakable. And using rape is a tool of war, right? And so, I will start this conversation by saying, and Israel has a right to defend itself. We would. And how it does so matters. We've been very clear that far too many Palestinians, innocent Palestinian civilians, have been killed. And that Israel must do more to protect innocent civilians. We've been very clear humanitarian aid must flow. From day one, I will tell you, one of my areas of priority included, let's think about the day after, because we must stay focused on an eventual two-state solution. Well, having said that, I want to tell you something which I'm sure you're well aware of, that Bibi Netanyahu, Prime Minister Netanyahu, recently said. He rejected U.S. calls to scale back Israel's military action in the Gaza Strip or to support a Palestinian state after the war. He even said that Israel, quote, must have security control over the entire territory west of the Jordan River, which includes Gaza. So given those positions, how can you possibly come together? How can the U.S. and Israel come together to solve this? And should aid to Israel be conditional? So I'll start with the principles that we are applying to this discussion, which we have been very clear with the Israeli government about. One. As it relates to the day after, there should be no reoccupation of Gaza. There should be no changing of the territorial boundaries of Gaza. That the Palestinians are entitled to, in equal measure with Israelis, security and prosperity. Doesn't sound like Bibi Netanyahu agrees with that. We're the United States of America. I'm telling you our position. And... We take our role in this discussion very seriously. There may be disagreements. That doesn't mean we're going to change our mind about the principles that are important to be applied to this process in terms of what a day after should look like. And those principles remain consistent. We believe very strongly, I believe very strongly, Palestinians are entitled to dignity and self-determination. We believe there must be a two-state solution for the sake of the stability in the region. We believe very strongly as a first principle, Israel must be secure, that Hamas and must not be in a position to commit terrorist acts against 
innocent people or, or the people of Israel in particular. So should aid, Madam Vice President, be conditional? If uh, the Prime Minister of Israel is stating this, should that aid not come if there's not that kind of flexibility that you're seeking? We are right now in a position of negotiating with Congress to follow through on a commitment we made for aid. And we are taking it one day at a time in terms of what is happening in the region and how we are addressing the issue. But that's where we are right now. So I don't feel like you really answered my question. I do think you, I did. Well, do you, th- do, you, do you, but do you think it should be conditional? I know you're carrying out that's what- That's not our position right now. Not right now. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, want to turn to the accomplishments of the Biden administration. Good. An infrastructure bill, finally, the CHIPS Act, the Safer Communities Act addressing gun violence, to name three legislative Mm -hmm. accomplishments. Low unemployment, millions of jobs created, inflation down, the stock market up. You don't hear that much from reporters, do you, (laughs) in in the form of a question? And yet, (laughs) and yet, you and President Biden's approval ratings are at historic lows. The president at 38, you at 37. Why do you think that is, given what I just outlined? Well, first of all, if I listened to polls, I would have never run for my first office or probably my second or third for that matter. (laughs) So I only put so much um, stock in polls. But it must be discouraging. Well, well, no, here's the thing. We have to we have to earn the reelect. That is, without any question, the right place to be in a democracy. You got to earn the reelect, and so our job—you are correct—we have a, a, we have historic accomplishments in terms of the economy. What we've done to move forward—it's it, science, technology, and investment in the American workforce, growing the American workforce, rising wages, bringing down prices. Historic work has happened, no question. It is incumbent on us to let people know who brought it to them, frankly. Because here's the thing, Katie, when if you do if you do want to look at polling, let's also look at the fact that it tells us that if you ask people how they feel about the fact that we finally capped the cost of insulin for seniors at $35 a month, hugely popular. If you ask people how do you feel about the fact that seniors too long, too many, had to determine whether they could fill their prescriptions or or fill their refrigerator. And now we have allowed Medicare to negotiate drug prices, finally, which means we're capping the annual cost of prescriptions for seniors at $2,000. They're not going to pay more than $2,000 a year for their prescription drugs. Very, very popular. If you ask students with, with debt, students, people who have graduated with debt, or even haven't graduated, who have debt from college or secondary school. And he just announced today additional debt relief for... We have now erased the debt of over three and a half million people. Very popular. If you look at what we are doing, that is right now active projects in all 50 states that are about upgrading roads and bridges, repairing streets and airports, Usually popular. And I, you know, if you drive down most streets in America, you'll somewhere or another see some construction site or a crane up that you can probably point to the Biden Harris administration to know that that work is starting to happen because we finally got the infrastructure work done. 
previous administration kept talking about Infrastructure Week, we actually made it happen. So you're right. We have a lot of accomplishments. And I think what the American people want most in their leaders is that we actually get things done. And we have done it. We haven't taken adequate credit for it, frankly. And we got to do a better job of getting the word out about what we have accomplished and who did it. When we come back, Kamala Harris has a tall order, making sure Latino, Black, and young voters stay in the fold. They have now met with over 15,000 students, Gen Z, who, by the way, I think is a terrific generation. I know you love Gen Z. You said it on The View. I do love Gen Z. (laughs) I, I really do. This podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet. Are you paying for your me time with just any credit card in your wallet? While you shouldn't stop treating yourself, you should start paying with a credit card that has perks. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending. Some even offering 10 times points on your spending. So what could future you do with better rewards? A free flight? Room upgrades? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and term supply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. You do very well among young voters, among people of color, both Black voters and Latino voters. President Biden isn't doing as well. In 2020, he won young people by more than 20 points, but now he's tied with Donald Trump. And I'm curious, you've been, I think, I think people believe you're a good messenger to bring some of those voters back into the fold to support Joe Biden, and not just Kamala Harris. How are you going to do that? Well, part of it is getting the heck out of D.C., (laughs) which I've been doing. In fact, after the Dobbs decision came down, um, I decided to get on the road ahead of the midterms and going to purple, red, and blue states in almost equal measure, talking with folks and listening to folks. And I started then last fall a college tour where I have now met with over 15,000 students, Gen Z, 
who, by the way, I think is a terrific generation. I know of, of you people. love Gen I, Z. I, you I said it on Gen, the view. I do love Gen Z. <laughs> I, I really do. Because they, it's, it's a lived experience for them. They've only known the climate crisis. They have all, most of them have endured active shooter drills between kindergarten and 12th grade. They, during their height of their reproductive years, saw the court take away an essential right for them. And so traveling the country makes a difference to one, listen, but to remind people that they are being seen and that what they do matters, including that they vote. And so I'm going to keep doing that. Are you worried that they're not going to turn out? I mean, that is so key to your reelection. Well, like I've said many times, because it is a mantra for me during election time, there are two ways to run, either without an opponent or scared. (laughs) You got to earn it. And you got to get out there and you got to do the work. And I'm prepared to do it. You know, I wasn't going to ask you a question about Joe Biden's age, because after all, Donald Trump is just three years younger. And some people seem fixated on Joe Biden's age. But I wanted to ask you. It's because they have nothing to run on. Katie. Well, immigration now they're running on, too. Which they could actually participate in fixing. Right. And but, so, no, but really, yeah, and, but, you know, but, so, yeah, you're right. They're running on immigration because they like having the problem so they can they can have an issue. But when having, in fact, we have offered them the ability to solve it and they don't want to participate in that. Right. In the solution. Ha- right. About immigration. But having, you know, the age thing, voters are concerned. I mean, according to almost every poll, that is an issue. And I was curious to get your take on this. Four years ago, I think it was a rally in Detroit. Then candidate Biden was at a a rally with you, Cory Booker, and Gretchen Whitmer. And I looked up what he said. He said, look, Joe Biden says look a lot, doesn't he? He says, look, I view myself as a bridge, not as anything else. There's an entire generation of leaders you saw stand behind me. They are the future of the country. And I wondered when you heard that, if you thought that was a four-year bridge or an eight-year bridge. I want to get to the heart of what I think you're raising, which you've said is his age. So let's talk about that. I spend a lot of time with Joe Biden, be it in the Oval Office or the Situation Room. And I can tell you, this is someone who is tireless in terms of working on behalf of the American people. To your point of knowing Joe Biden, he comes from a background and a place in his heart and soul where he cares so deeply about working people, about families. He, we talk about his empathy because he actually is concerned about the suffering of other people and works to alleviate that suffering. He is bold. And it is because of all of that that we have been able to pass transformational work, bipartisan work, when we've been able to do it. A large part of it is because Joe Biden, and I've watched him, sits in that Oval Office with the leaders on the two sides and helps people figure out that compromise is actually a good thing, solutions are a good thing. I have been in the Oval Office when heads of state from around the world, in particular our allies, call up Joe Biden and ask for his advice, and he gives it. It is Joe Biden who is without any question and leaders around the world would admit it, the one who was able to bring together NATO to support Ukraine. 
So this whole issue that they are raising about his age is, again, because they've got nothing to run on. And I just think that we got to get beyond this because I think ultimately what the American people deserve is that their leaders perform by way of solutions and uplifting the condition of their lives. I'm glad you used that word perform because I was listening to something Hillary Clinton said recently mm-hmm. about performative politics. Yeah, it's a double and, entendre, isn't it? Right, yeah. and that yeah. people who are doing the hard work mm-hmm. of the nation's business mm-hmm. are not performing. And I thought that was such an interesting versus performing. Right, right. right. Perform yeah, or not right. performative. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And and yeah. I thought that was such an insightful observation mm-hmm. because people doing the work, let's face it, are not that entertaining. <laughs> but in the true sense of the word perform in terms of are you actually doing anything? Joe Biden's getting a whole lot of stuff done. First Chips and Science Act, we're going to be investing in the future of technology, competing on a global level. We have created over 850 new manufacturing jobs. We're bringing manufacturing back to America. What we have done in terms of fighting for things, well, you know, this is, again, where it'd be nice to have a little bit more bipartisan support to extend the child tax credit in our first year by pushing it through. We reduced child poverty by over 50 percent. That's the kind of performing I think people want. But how are you going to get that messaging out? You know, That's there seems. I'm talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. But this alone, as much as I would like to say the entire country <laughs> listens to this or watches this, um, it, it feels like that somehow that is not getting through that's to a lot of people. Are for. I know, that's but what but do you, are and, for. and I know like people like David Axelrod are like, let's get going, people. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate where he's coming from in terms of we all know what's at stake, right? We all know what's at stake. On the other side of this split screen, because let's be clear about it, we talked about a lot of issues today, you and I, most of which are not binary, like it's not one thing or the other. These are complex issues. November of, of, not, of 2024, binary. And on the other side, you've got someone who has said that if he were back in office, he would weaponize the Department of Justice. Someone who has openly applauded insurrectionists as patriots. Someone who has said that they will go after their political enemies and and applauds dictators, indicating that he would be one. So let's be really clear about what's at stake. And then, yes, of course, there is then a desire that let's get out there because we can't lose this democracy. We can't. And I agree with that passion. I, I am motivated by the same passion. I don't want your staff to kill me. Okay. May I ask one more question? There are a lot of witnesses if they did. Can, can I, <laughs> may I ask one more question, Stephanie? Yeah, we have to. Okay. All right. I'm as a pro, as a prosecutor. I said they're witnesses. <laughs> as a former prosecutor yes. mm-hmm. and a former attorney general. Yeah. I'm sure you're familiar with these 91 criminal indictments Donald Trump is currently facing or somewhat familiar. And I'm curious 
Why do you think so many of his supporters are willing to turn a blind eye to those indictments and support him regardless? Well, let's see if they do in November. Do you think minds will be changed as these court cases proceed? I think that the majority of Americans who are going to make the decision about the outcome of the election want a leader who is competent and not someone who invites and creates chaos. I think they are going to vote for a leader who respects and protects the rule of law, not someone who breaks it. I think they want someone who actually understands that the real strength of a leader is not based on who you beat down, but based on who you lift up. Does it blow your mind that people don't, some people don't agree with that, though, that they're like, we love this guy. It doesn't matter. I don't judge that. I don't, I don't judge that. I, I am just telling you, I know what is at stake. And we are going to spend every day reminding the American people of what we have accomplished and what will be the impact of this election. And it will be profound. And it will be, in many ways, existential, I believe. Madam Vice President, thank you so, thank you. so much. Thank you, Katie. Good to be with you. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have a question for me, a subject you want us to cover, or you want to share your thoughts about how you navigate this crazy world, reach out. You can leave a short message at 609-512-5505, or you can send me a DM on Instagram. I would love to hear from you. Next Question is a production of iHeartMedia and Katie Couric Media. The executive producers are me, Katie Couric, and Courtney Litz. Our supervising producer is Ryan Martz. And our producers are Adriana Fazio and Meredith Barnes. Julian Weller composed our theme music. For more information about today's episode or to sign up for my newsletter, Wake Up Call, go to the description in the podcast app or visit us at katiecouric.com. You can also find me on Instagram and all my social media channels. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.